Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Here ends the Old Testament reading. Uh, Good morning. It's very good to be here. And uh, if we've not met... I am Ian Garrett, as Jonathan said, and I hope that we'll get to meet over coffee. Uh, Because I want to cover various parts of the Bible, I'm not going to get you to look them up. For time's sake, they're all going to go up on the screen uh, behind me. A hundred years ago in this country, if you were a woman, you were not allowed to vote in an election. Just 60 years ago in America, if you were a black person, you were not allowed to sit with white people on public transport. By contrast, we are used, I think, to levels of equality that people in other places and other times could only dream of. And so I think we all tend to think equality is a good thing. Uh, And it is. A large amount of the equality that we enjoy in our society is a real privilege, but not all of it. And that's why in this series called A Biblical View on Big Issues, we're going to ask the question, what does the Bible say about equality and diversity or difference? And how does that compare with what our society says? Uh, What out there is good and what out there is questionable? So the first thing the Bible says is this, all human beings are equally created in the image of God. Listen to Genesis 1 verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man, which means mankind, in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion, in other words, rule, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You always think, you know, what does he mean by creeping things? Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So what does being in the image of God mean? Well, one clue is Genesis 5 verse 3, which says, Adam fathered a son in his likeness, in his image. So uh, we talk about a a son being the spitting image of his father. I can see a bit of that as I uh, look out uh, a few sons here. And that is part of what being in the image of God means. It means we resemble God in a way that cats and cows can't. For example, in being self-conscious people who can make genuine moral decisions. Or, for example, in being able to reflect his character so that when you love others, they can see in you something 
of God's nature. So there's resembling. And another clue is in Genesis 1 verse 26, which says we are to have dominion or rule over God's creation. Uh, So being in the image of God also means we represent God in his world. For example, when one of my children snatches a toy off the other and I intervene, I'm representing God's just rule in his world. I'm bringing that down to earth, if you like. So human beings have that that equal dignity and value uh, of being uniquely able to resemble and represent God. And we each have that regardless of the created differences between us. So regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your innate abilities. And we each have that regardless of the social differences between us, like whether you're unemployed or employed, uh, if you're employed, whatever your employment is, where you live, where you went to school, all of that. So God says in the Bible that all human beings are equally created in his image. So we are to see them all as having that equal dignity and value from the hospital consultant to the cleaner and to treat them accordingly. And that's where the American Declaration of Independence begins, foundational to American life. It says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Can you imagine any politician coming up with that as a new constitution today? So two lessons so far. Lesson number one, our definition of what it means to be truly human has got to come from the Bible and that phrase, the image of God. And lesson number two, All people should have the equal right to be truly human and be treated as truly human, as the Bible defines it. Okay, next, the Bible says this. Human beings are also created different. That didn't take you by surprise. And for a start, men and women are. So Genesis 2 describes the creation of the first man, and then verse 18 of Genesis 2 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And the original word translated fit for him is literally like and opposite him. Like and opposite, which means she is, she's equal to him, but, but not identical. They're, they're different poles, if you like. So equal, but, but different, so that they complement one another. So when they unite in marriage, They create a union that's capable of more than either of the sexes on its own. So the Bible teaches that men and women are created different. And it also teaches that in marriage and by analogy in the church family, men and women have different God-given roles. For example, Ephesians 5 says the husband is the head of the wife. That means he's got the primary responsibility for leading the marriage and the family if there are kids in a godly direction. Now, I know a lot of people think that um, talk of male-female difference is inevitably going to be used uh, to justify unequal treatment of women. I know that many people think unless men and women can occupy all roles interchangeably from the boardroom to the army, that they can't be truly equal. But actually, 
God himself is the great example of three persons who are equal but different in role. So we know from the Bible and experience that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, all equally God. But listen to 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. And the thing is, you can't turn that round and say, but equally, the head of God the Father is Christ the Son. It doesn't work like that. They're not interchangeable. They're equal, but different in role and authority. But that doesn't mean that the Lord Jesus is sitting there in heaven feeling inferior, feeling that there's a difference in dignity and value. There's not. And by analogy, we need to accept that the created differences between men and women uh, and between their God-given roles does not mean uh, any inequality in dignity or value, any inferiority or superiority. So the Bible says men and women are created different, but then actually, obviously, each of us here is created different. So in Psalm 139, David prays this to God. He says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Not literally, that's picture language, obviously. And we are knitted together with different innate abilities and strengths. So some of us here are academic, some of us aren't. Some are good at some subjects, some are good at other subjects. Um, Some are musical, some are sporty, and so on. And actually all of that dramatically shapes and limits where we can actually go in life and where we have gone in life. So it's just not true, you know, when teachers or career advisors say to us, you know, everything is equally open to you so long as you work hard enough. You heard that? It's not true. Later in Psalm 139, David says to God, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What he's made me is going to shape and limit how it pans out. So one really bad idea around today is the idea of equality of outcome. Uh, For example, in education, that idea says, you know, if only we can get the conditions right, all children will achieve equally. It's not true because all children are created different. So to say that they should, under the right conditions, all get however many A's and B's and C's at GCSE is as out of touch with reality as saying that they should all be natural pianists or golfers. We want equality of opportunity. In other words, everyone getting the chance to be the best they can be as the person God has made them. That's like organizing a race so everyone can compete fairly. But the ideology of equal outcomes is very different. That is like rigging a race so that everyone is forced to finish together. And that will inevitably make a lot of people underperform. Now, when you're thinking about an issue biblically, you need to remember the Bible covers uh, creation, so how God made and means things to be. Then the fall, uh, how human sin affects everything. And then salvation through Jesus, how God is working to save his creation from the effects of the fall and fulfill his original purposes for it. So we've done creation. Now we need to remember the fall, which teaches us this. We must value all people equally, but not all beliefs and behaviors equally. 
Here is how Romans 1 describes what happened at the fall when the original human pair rebelled against God, said we don't want you as God over us, and dragged us into the same rebellion. This is Romans 1, verse 21, a bit tricky, but hang on with it. This is what it says of Adam and Eve and all of us. For although they knew God, knew he was there, we know he's there, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile or empty in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, in other words, false gods, resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, the human race has said, we don't want God to rule over us. We want to push him out of the picture. We're not going to believe in him. Instead, we're going to make up our own beliefs, our own gods, or if you're secular, our own absolutes like equality, so that actually we can live the way we want to live because your beliefs control your behavior. So if you control your beliefs, you're in control. And on behavior, Romans 1 goes on to say this. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. In verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error, which, as you've probably guessed, that's talking about all forms of heterosexual and homosexual behavior outside marriage as God intended it. So, creation, fall, this side of the fall, we're all still in the image of God. So we must treat each other as as equally created in God's image but this side of the fall all of us have wrong beliefs in our heads and are pursuing wrong behaviors and we mustn't treat those as equal we mustn't value those equally we should only value beliefs and behaviors that are in line with the truth of God and his creation purpose for us so take for example Stonewall Stonewall is the campaign group for quotes homosexual equality It campaigned for so-called same-sex marriage because it believed that would enshrine the acceptance of homosexual relationships as equal to heterosexual ones. And the tagline up there uh, on their website is acceptance without exception. And the website says they're working, quote, until everyone feels free to be who they are, whoever they are. But acceptance is an incredibly slippery word. And what Stonewall mean by acceptance is not only that I value the person who's chosen to commit to a homosexual lifestyle, which I do, but that I value homosexuality and that I accept the behavior that they've chosen to pursue, as in affirm it, which I can't. Because the Bible says we are the product of creation and the fall. We're a mixture of those two factors. And so you can't just look inside yourself and say, that's all good, I should just be what I am. Um, Because part of what I am, for example, a relational being, is a good product of creation, and I should live it out. But actually, part of what I am, for example, a selfish being, is a bad product of the fall, and I shouldn't live that out. And the Bible says same-sex attraction 
comes in that second category. And all the things about us which are the bad product of the fall are what Jesus wants to save us from. So coming on to salvation through Jesus, um, listen to Colossians 3 again. Talking to people trusting in Christ, it says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old humanity with its practices. In other words, you've realized there are certain things about you that are the product of the fall which you shouldn't live out. Verse 10, and you've put on the new humanity, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, we're relearning that being truly human isn't about being myself because I'm a, I'm a mixed up kid from creation and the fall, but about being changed into what God has made me and means me to be. So this is saying a believer is relearning how to see him or herself and relearning how to see others. Because Colossians 3 goes on here, in other words, in the local church in St. Joseph's Benwell, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, the old divisions of the ancient world, but Christ is all and is in all. In other words, with Jesus in his rightful place as Lord over us, we can see through all the man-made divisions amongst us, consultant, cleaner, you name it, and value people again properly as equally created in the image of God. And the Lord Jesus wants this church to be a place where newcomers can witness people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different nationalities, seeing and welcoming and valuing one another equally in that way, as God does. Okay, let me just end by saying something fourthly on living under the equality and diversity agenda of today. Let me say again, a great, great deal of the equality that we enjoy in our society is a good thing and we are privileged to have it. But there are also big problems stemming from the Equality Act of 2010, which begins with a list of what it calls protected characteristics, and here they are, age, disability, gender reassignment, marriage and civil partnership, pregnancy and maternity, race, religion or belief, sex, and sexual orientation. And first up, the Equality Act says that it's out to stop discrimination, which is a good thing. And it says it's going to do that by promoting the equal treatment of people with any of those protected characteristics, to which you have to say, yes, but what do you mean by equal treatment? Because what we've seen is that in the Bible, God calls us to treat all people as equally created in his, in his image, but not to treat all beliefs and behaviors as equal. So take so-called same-sex marriage, and let's take, for example, the relationship between Elton John and David Furnish. If I, in the unlikely event that I would have personal dealings with them, um, God wants me to treat them as I would treat you or anyone else. So if I see Elton drop his wallet on the floor, I don't say he's a multimillionaire, I'll keep it. Um, I give it back to him, okay? That's what that's about. It's a completely different question how I should treat their relationship. You've got to divide that out from the person. The Equality Act wants me to say it's equal to my marriage to Tess. But even without referring to the Bible, it is obviously not. So it's obvious that in real marriage, human bodies are being used naturally and healthily, whereas in so-called gay marriage, they're not being used naturally and often unhealthily because it's not what they're designed for. 
It's obvious that real marriage can be procreative, God willing, whereas so-called gay marriage cannot be. It's obvious that real marriage provides for any children the complementary input and role model of a father and mother, whereas so-called gay marriage can't. So I'm not saying anything about Elton John and David Furnish as people. Don't mishear this. But I am saying those two relationships, mine with Tess, those two together, are not equal and therefore should not be treated equal. It's just a falsehood to treat unequal things equally. And that falsehood has been foisted on our culture and many others around the world. Next, the Equality Act says it's out to stop harassment. Again, you say good until you find that it defines harassment as including, quote, creating an offensive environment for anyone with one of the protected characteristics. So, okay, imagine a man in your workplace who's undergone, quote, gender reassignment and wants you to call him she, and if you're a woman, wants to share your toilet. Now, if you don't want to, is he likely to be offended? Well, probably. In which case, you'll be in trouble because of the Equality Act when you shouldn't be, because in the current social climate, his protected characteristics will trump your protected characteristics. Because the great flaw with the Equality Act is that it doesn't deal with the problem of when this protected characteristic and this protected characteristic come into conflict. The only resolution of that is the social climate and who is operating the law. Well, that's quite a scary thought, certainly for Christians. And the other thing the Equality Act says is that it's out, quote, to foster good relations. And again, you say, who could, who could argue with that? And a Home Office document defines that as respecting and valuing differences to which you have to say, yes, but what differences are you talking about? If you're talking about the differences of perspective that men and women bring in teamwork in the workplace, great. But if you're talking about difference of belief, like a Muslim denying that Jesus died on the cross, or difference of behavior, like a colleague saying, uh, I'm about to marry my same-sex partner, I can't respect or value those beliefs or behaviors. I can respect and value the person and their freedom to believe those beliefs or pursue those behaviors, but I cannot value and respect the belief or behavior itself. Let me say two quick things to finish. That wasn't your average sermon, was it? One is that I realize that um, I've been saying the unsayable, uh, and you may be feeling negative. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I want to say, as with all preaching, the question to go away with this morning is, was that a right interpretation and application of the Bible? If it wasn't, ditch it. Uh, if it was, will you let God change your mind where it needs to be changed? The other thing is that I obviously realize I've mentioned issues that may be very, very personal for some of us and people close to us. Um, so can I say I have only mentioned them because they're in the forefront of the issue that I was asked to speak on, not because I had any desire to highlight them myself. Can I also say that like Colossians 3 says, every one of us has things about ourselves that are products of the fall that we need to put off. Every one of us needs to be renewed more 
in knowledge after the image of our creator. So let me end by just saying we are all works in progress. We all need the Lord Jesus to forgive us more and to change us more by his spirit. And standing on that level ground of being sinners in need of Jesus is the deepest and best kind of equality there is. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you again that we are all equally created by you in your image and that if we're trusting in your son, the Lord Jesus as well, we also share that equality of standing on level ground, of being forgiven, accepted by you and worked in by you. Father, please forgive us for all the ways we think of others unequally, for the differences and the divisions we create, for the superiority and inferiority we wrongly feel. Please help us as a church to be a showcase of that kind of equality of being sinners saved by Jesus. And please give us the love and wisdom and courage we need to value people equally while standing up for differences in belief and behavior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.